Hello and welcome to Written in Uncertainty, an Elder Scrolls podcast sat firmly in the grey maybe of Tamriel and proud member of the Robots Radio podcast network. My name is Aramithius and this week we are carrying on our look at the Truth in Sequence, looking at Volume 5, which is turning its attention towards the Dwemer and their machines and everything that they were trying to achieve in rather brief fashion, if I'm honest. It seems quite a perfunctory treatment of everything that the Dwemer could be, but that's probably down to Deldry's being someone who is thoroughly indoctrinated with everything about Sothisil's supremacy and so on and so forth. Before we kick off with the actual text, though, um, I'd like to welcome a new show to the Robots Radio Podcast Network. We now have a D&D actual play podcast joining us called Committee Quest. They have been providing a variety of actual play sessions of D&D, along with various interviews and little snippets of DM advice at various points. If you want to check them out, go to committee-quest.com or check out their section of the robotsradio.net website. And now, to the truth in sequence. Truth and Sequence, Volume 5, taken from the sermons of Deldry's Morvane, 4th Torbillion to the Mainspring Everwound. By the word I grind the gears. Speak not of dwarves, child of the tribunal. The simple clockworks of the Dwemer pale before the sublime machinery of Sothasil. Let Dumak's lament be a silent one. Let his hissing tombs stay buried. Let his automata rust and crumble restart this at let his automata rust and crumble let his automata rust and crumble this is possibly a comment on how the clockwork city is and various elements within it most particularly the imperfects if you play the elder scrolls 3 and the elder scrolls online as looking like improvements on the dwemer the aesthetic design in the Elder Scrolls 3 in particular I remember as being like the Clockwork City was one level up from the Dwemer. If the Dwemer were steampunk, there were sections of the Clockwork City that were looking like they were circuit boards and almost computerised. And so it's something that the aesthetics of the Elder Scrolls has tried to reinforce in various ways, that Sothasil is intended to be in iteration better than the Dwemer and trying to develop what was going on with the Dwemer although it's also a reflection of how Sothisil is an evolution in the philosophical sense of what the Dwemer were doing and taking the bits that worked and the bits that didn't were being discarded. It's also kind of appropriate if you think about how the clockwork city in The Elder Scrolls 3 at least was intended to be portrayed and Mournhold as a whole I guess because you've got layer upon layer upon layer of different forms of architecture. You've got the Dwemer ruins underneath Mournhold which are on top of a Daedric ruin and various other things. There's this iterative and layered structure to how Mournhold is which 
basically reflects how the Chimera and the Dunmer and the Dwemer have all evolved from one thing into the next into the next. And Sothasil has kind of taken that more mechanistic stuff and made it into something that's very, very philosophical and an evolution in those terms as well. Let his automata rust and crumble. For this was his greatest failure, driven by Lorcan's great lie and churlish pride. I kind of take issue with that last sentence, I must admit, because I'm not really sure that the Dwemer were driven by Lorcan's great lie. If Lorcan's great lie is the material world and that it was to do with progression through and beyond the material world as a thing, the Dwemer expressly did not do that. They were denying both phenomena and noumena to quote Baladas Demnavani. They denied the reality that they were part of and didn't think that was a real thing. So if anything they were trying to say that Lokhan is a liar and point out that Mundus is not a thing, should not be a thing and everything that that kind of point of view entails. So they get painted as nihilists in some circles, solipsists in others, and so on, but I can't really reconcile them to a particularly Lokhanic outlook. So I think Deldries is getting the wrong idea here. It's just the general association of everything that's wrong with Lokhan's great lie and with Padme and everything that's bad coming from one point of view and everything needing to be tied to the one thing but they certainly were proud that is pretty much undeniable from what we see uh, of the Dwemer you've got the Rorikan clan who left because they thought that the Dwemer and the Kaima could not coexist and then you have Dumak, who may well not have known about Kagranak's experiments on Lorcan's heart when Nerevar confronted him about them, but still said, oh, this is all rubbish, what are you talking about? How dare you accuse me of such things? And that kicked off the Kaima Dunma War. So they are definitely, definitely proud. Rather than accepting that they're wrong, we've seen them taking drastic actions in several places. His is a tale of woe and terror, and those that pursue his ugly maths shall pay a great price in blood. But was Dumak not a creator, you ask? Were the brass child's hands not covered in oil? Did they not speak the words of making and set wheel to axle? Here the words in sequence follows a set. Intention dictates the worth of a machine. Where the mainspring ever wound sees the convergence of none ensuing, the ghosts of the Dwemer cry out, multitudes, multitudes. And here's where I think, again, Deldrius gets it wrong. I just want to highlight one line before I get into precisely why on that, before I get ahead of myself. Um, intention dictates the worth of a machine. This is a deontological point of view, that the worth of an outcome and how right it is, or how good it is in a moral sense, depends on what you meant when you did the action. It doesn't matter that what you did actually had a good outcome, but because you meant badly, then it's inherently a bad action. That's what they're getting at here with the Dwemer, that they intended to do something 
that wasn't in line with Nern ensuing and create the creation of Tamriel Final. So because of that, they're worthless, despite the fact that they produced some fantastic technological marvels compared to the rest of Tamriel. And we've also got this bit here where the Dwemer are acquiring out multitudes compared to the Mainspring Everwound talking about convergence. I, again, fundamentally disagree with that because they, the Dwemer were looking to recombine things. They were looking to, again, to quote Spaladust and Navani, to create the sacred from the deaths of the profane. They were looking to recombine themselves into something grander. So they weren't splitting off from everything. They were looking to recombine a load of stuff and go back up the chain of subgradients, if you like. Whether they intended that to be something that all of Mundus would inevitably do, I guess that's another question. And if they did, then it's something a bit more in line with traditional old merry views and the like but if not then the dwemer will remain as they've kind of been presented as a bit of a, a bizarre oddity compared to the rest of the mer and with very different methods of thought mer and machine parted wisdom and ambition parted made and unmade parted and from those sunderings a thousand thousand skittering machines are made left to wander forgotten halls aimless and profligate. This sounds a bit like they're saying that there was no point to the animunculi specifically, but there quite obviously was. They were set as guardians and presumably things to help the Dwemer work, so it's possibly something to do with a commentary on how the Dwemer's worldview is different and in some way wrong it's again it's talking about from those sunderings from that splintered worldview then you've got all of these different pieces of stuff that have no ultimate purpose because the purpose that made them wasn't right that they were going towards the wrong thing from the start and so they can't be made into anything else on their own and this next bit is talking about potentially how they can be made right, I suppose. One may twist a knob left in preparation for another to twist the same knob right. One may loosen a pipe so that another may tighten it. This almost feels like another one of those Buddhist riddles, I guess. Something akin to what's the sound of one hand clapping. So, But why would you twist a knob left if it's only going to be turned right again? But I think what Deldries is getting at here is that the Dwemer only exist as a precursor to Sothasil. That without the Dwemer, Sothasil wouldn't be as Sothasil is. And so they have a purpose in the grand scheme of things, even if that isn't the actual purpose they envision for themselves. And it also means that the animunculi potentially have a corrective function of some sort. That the existence of the animunculi then allows the clockwork apostles and Sothasil to take what the Dwemer had and make it right again. They exist only to maintain the brass children's folly, and so they are redundant and profane in the eye of Sothasil. And that's a bizarre little twist there actually, looking at it. The eye of Sothasil 
not the eyes of Sothisil. It's, again, a little nod to the idea that Sothisil has a singular purpose, a singular will, and so you've not got multitudes, you've not even got duality with the expression of eyes as such. But most profane is this, the walking horror that bears the name NM, which is a reference to the new Midian, by the way. The brass tower of vanity, the mindless guardian of the Nern Prior, the antipodal god thing that reigns on the darkest pole of the sacred Nern Sphere. I don't think that line's actually meant to be literal. It's, I think, an expression that the Numidium is as far away from a god as you could get. It's something that is both a god and the opposite of a god. It's the antipodes of a god. Something that is on the same planet as a god, but entirely the other side. That's a really nice turn of phrase as far as I'm concerned. That's trying to express how the Clockwork Apostles see the Numidium. It's a little difficult to deny that the Numidium is a god if you can acknowledge that Sothosil is a god because they're both constructed gods. But the Numidium is something that's completely different in intent and potentially result to Sothosil. Of all the threats to Tamriel final, NM is the greatest, Anuvanasi. The Daedra can be banished in thought, but NM must be sundered on Nern. And that, vaguely to me, sounds a bit like a nod to Coda. I may be being a little oversensitive here, but if you look at how Coda works out, Jubal does go back to Nern to finally defeat the Numidium. It is the welded knot at the centre of Anu that must be untied, the god puzzle. This is a reference to Alexander the Great, from what I can tell, the idea of the Gordian knot. There was a particular city that um, Alexander had to subdue, and he basically just flattened it. It wasn't a puzzle that could really be untangled, it just was something that had to be sliced through. And if a knot is welded, then it's all one thing. It's, you can't untangle a bunch of metal threads that have been welded together, so you've got to slice it. That feels like what's been got at here. And again, the, the language of sundering here just reinforces that metaphor as well. Although describing it as being at the center of Anu is a little interesting. Anu is typically associated with stasis and Padme with change. And you look at Coda and the Numidium is often described as Anumidium, as in a Numidium that has Anu at its centre and stasis at its centre. Um, in Coda, the Numidium does, says nothing or says very little. In Coda, there are parts of time where the Numidium says nothing and basically wants nothing to be the end result, which is perfect stasis. The Numidium, if it's intended to uncreate everything and bring everything in line with the non-existence that the Dwemer convinced is at the centre of all things, in my understanding of their philosophy, 
then it is fundamentally anuic. It is looking for a perfect, changeless state that is as much stasis as it is void. So it's an expression of Anu. And you'll also see the Numidium also referred to as Anumidium as a result of that. The God Puzzle. The mainspring Everwound remains silent on this point, and where there is silence, there is great wisdom. By the word, I grind the gears. Again, thinking about Coda, silence is not the no that gets associated with the Numidium in Coda, and in being silent, there's a range of possibilities. At the instant you say something, you break the silence and you fill it with something definite. Whereas before then, it can be filled with anything. It can be that maybe. And I just wanted to finish today on some musings as to potentially why, by the word, I grind the gears is at the beginning and the end of these sermons. It perhaps has more to do with what's going on in this volume than anything else. It's talking about intent, I think. And this sermon is all about saying why the Duomo were wrong because their intent was wrong. It's saying that you can't wind the gears any other way. It's by the word you have to grind the gears. You have to do it in a particular manner and in a particular way. Otherwise, you are winding the gears wrong. So... In saying that this is what you should remember at the start, you always stay on clear purpose. And at the end, always stay on a clear purpose. You're kind of encapsulating everything that you do and say within that particular intent. And it also strikes me a little of Thelema written practice, where in theory, I think at least, they you're supposed to begin and end written statements or conversations even i don't know exactly how you far you're supposed to do it i've not looked into the tradition that much but you begin it or end it with 93 and be, sorry no you begin it with 93 and end it with 93 93 which is a numerological expression of both will and the law. The key point of Thalema is do as thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. And in reminding them of that, that will equals law, which is why you say 93 twice at the end, then you are constantly reiterating that main point that you should let everything be that which you will, as in that which you would do without a lust for a result. I think there's something similar in the by the word mantra here that it's a reminder to both the person speaking or writing and those listening that it must be by the word that the gears are wound and done for a particular purpose and in the right way and so on and that's it for volume five thank you ever so much for joining me on this read through of a denunciation of the dwemer which frankly i have a few issues with but then again the elder scrolls is never really known for the perfection of its narrators anyway so i guess that's absolutely fine thank you ever so much for joining me and next week we will be carrying on with volume six until then this podcast remains a letter written in uncertainty. You've been listening to Written in Uncertainty, a podcast written and presented by Aramithius. 
The music for this podcast has been kindly provided by Jan Glenbotsky and Jeremy Saul. You can check out Jan's work on SoundCloud under Songs from the Lost Land, and Jeremy's Northern Diaries is available for purchase and on YouTube. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. Rated M for Mature. Because we don't believe in scripted advertisements, we're going to do this raw. I'm regretting this decision. No, you're not. This is the DL Weekly Gaming News. There's nothing to regret here because it's your source for everything in the gaming world. Every week, we bring it to you unscripted, unfiltered. That's why it's rated M for Mature, right, Brenna? Among many, many other reasons. I am one of your hosts, Jameson. And as he already said, I am Brenna, the other glorious part to this quality podcast. You can find us every week wherever you listen to your podcasts at DL Gaming News. And you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter if you want some gaming news in your social media feed every day at DL Gaming News. And uh, you can find us individually if you really, really, truly want to see our faces. I am at DL underscore Mother Goose. And I'm at DL Jameson. And this was an advertisement. Go fuck yourselves. I'm Bob. And I'm Brad. We're lifelong friends. And the hosts of the Film and Whiskey podcast. This is the show where each week we review a classic movie and a glass of whiskey. That's right. Every week we go in-depth on a well-known movie while sampling the best from the world of scotch, bourbon, and more. Because nothing goes better with strong opinion than equally strong liquor. Bob's a movie nerd. Brad's an average Joe. But together, we give fresh insights and hot takes on the world of movies and spirits. So check out the Film and Whiskey Podcast. Part of the Robots Radio Network. Hey friends, this is Robots, the creator of the Robots Radio Podcast Network and host of the two original shows on the network, the Fallout Lorecast and the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. These two shows have rocketed up the iTunes charts. They both together have over 155 star reviews in only a couple of months with bite-sized episodes that take you step-by-step through the background of the games and the game worlds. They're thought-provoking, well-produced, and a lot of fun. I recommend you go check them out at robotsradio.net or on any podcast, reader, podcatcher, whatever you use, iTunes, Spotify. Again, that's the Fallout Lorecast and the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, available everywhere.